What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Sean Little. You can find him on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Chicago Flow. Excited. This is our first Friday Best Bets episode and a little bit of a futures talk. We're going to talk a little bit about the league this week. We'll get into kind of our first impressions from the first three nights of games. Talk about those in the Subsequent episodes, you'll probably, not probably, you will be able to find us talking absolute future. So while I'll have probably plays next week on whatever you've seen early on um, or moves against what we've already bet, i uh, got some concerns about some of the teams i got futures on already, Memphis, uh, all those and more. We'll talk about that starting next week. Today, we're going to do best bets, and then we're going to break down kind of just like what we've seen from the first n- couple nights, nights of action. We'll do that on today's show. I want to let you know that everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. You get to follow all of our stuff in there. You get to track all of our futures and your futures, all that kind of stuff. Our live shows stream on there, so you can catch those. You catch links to the YouTube page. Our YouTube page, by the way, is youtube.com slash The Action Network. Please go give it a subscribe and a like. Turn on notifications so you can check out stuff like our Power Hours for NFL. Uh, we've got Green Dot Daily setting you up with what you need to know to bet daily across sports. They cover everything. College football, NFL, hockey, NBA, College basketball starting soon. All that and more in Green Dot Daily. Make sure to check all that out. Sean, man, I'm so glad to have basketball back. Uh, I had a I had a, a really good night on Tuesday. Lost the Warriors money line bet. Was fine with that. And then Wednesday, I didn't like any of the plays. I didn't feel good about any of the spots. I was gonna just like you know what? I'm just gonna like maybe take it easy tonight. And then like an hour before, I was like, no, I gotta have action on this. Like it's the first night of games. I gotta have action. That. <laughs> And that was a fucking disastrous idea because I made a bunch of plays where later I was like, what are you doing? Like I did things like I bet against the Raptors at home in a high motivation spot in their opener. Why would I do that? Uh, I looked back and I was like my model who I'm not necessarily like married to right now because it's built off of power ratings and I want to see how the season kind of goes. But my, my model was like, oh yeah, no, Charlotte's got a little bit of value. I bet the Hawks. And I was like, later, I was like, what, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? So uh, I, have, I have settled down. I have uh, three plays on the Friday slate, very tight three plays. We'll talk about some of the other ones. Let's go ahead and get your best bet, and then I'll list my best bets. We'll talk about those, and then we'll kind of go around the league. What's your best bet on the Friday slate? Knicks Hawks, over 229 and a half. I would bet it up to 230. I like this spot for both squads. I think there's still a little narrative around the Knicks that they like to play D. We'll jump into it and uh, and go through that. But, yes. Knicks, Hawks, over 229 and a half. Like it. All right. Uh, I've got three plays. I've got a half unit play on the uh, Houston Rockets, plus 100 on the money line versus the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they opened as a favorite and have moved to a dog. I don't agree with that line move. I think this is an overreaction to how San Antonio looked versus a very flawed Dallas squad that um, probably should have lost that game. But 
Kyrie and Luca made just enough plays at the end. I've got Brooklyn Dallas over 228 and a half opening line 224 and a half. And I'll take the Orlando Magic minus two and a half versus the Portland Trailblazers in a late game. We'll talk about all those and more. Let's talk about that Knicks Hawks game. So Hawks go to Charlotte. They get absolutely beasted inside. Um, there's a couple of, a couple of reasons that the Hawks lost that game. Number one, Mark Williams was one of the best players on the floor. PJ Washington was another one of the best players on the floor. Trey Young and DeJounte Murray were not two of the best five players on the floor. Trey and DeJounte both shot like absolute garbage in that game. Uh, I am a little worried about Trey Young shooting. Like he had a down year last year at 42% from the field, 34% from three. Like that's a little down from his career averages and what like the trajectory he'd been on. And then he starts off with this kind of performance. And I was like, Ooh, that that's, that's a little worrisome. Jalen Johnson looks great. Like I loved how the Hawks played. I like Jalen Johnson and AJ Griffin. Both those guys look really good. Onyeko Kongwu. I don't understand why they haven't traded Clint Capella yet. Um, Nick's gotten to a, a real grind tough game there with the Boston Celtics, but you're like in the over despite Trey's struggles and how the Knicks looked in that Celtics game. What's your cap on taking the over? Yeah, you mentioned it. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, 7 of 23 from the floor, 30%. Um, overall, they let P.J. Washington score 25, got beat up inside. He scored 25 and only knocked down one three. So overall, the reason I like the over here, I think these are two offensive first basketball teams. This isn't the 2020 Knicks back when they were top five in defensive rating and Taj Gibson and Nerlens Noel were getting 20-plus minutes a night and they were top five in defensive rating. And that was that just classic Tom Thibodeau squad. This is this is not that anymore. If you go back to last year, and I hate going back to last year as much, but a lot of these rosters on both of these squads, the Knicks and the Hawks, are very similar. Last 15 games of last season, both the Hawks and Knicks were top five in offensive rating. The Knicks were number three coming down the stretch. You remember how well they were playing on the offensive end led by Jalen Brunson. And then if you go back and look the last 15 games, both were bottom eight in defense. The Knicks' entire roster is essentially the same. I was in the Garden last night for opening night. It was absolutely rocking. I loved your tweet, Matt, when you said – uh, I can't remember exactly what game it was. I think it was I think it was Lakers Nuggets. You said it's it's not it's not a regular season game, but it's not the playoffs, but it's something. And that's exactly what it felt like in the garden. It was it, it was obviously a home opener, which is always going to be fun, but it felt a little extra. There was a the, the Porzingis factor also, him being back in the garden and absolutely cooking. Uh got the crowd riled up as well. He had a dust up with iHeart. So there was a lot of stuff going on, but yeah, it felt it felt uh, a little special in there to open to open the year in the Garden National TV. You know the you know the whole deal. But these are two offensive first teams that just played uh, had bad offensive games to open the year. And you saw flashes, especially with like Quentin Grimes and a few guys. Emmanuel quickly looked phenomenal uh, after a rough postseason for the Knicks. So offensively, those guys were rolling. But then you look over at Brunson, Randall, and Barrett's nineteen of sixty three from the floor. Another trio of guys like Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, that duo, both shot 30% from the floor. Jalen Brunson was missing a lot of shots that he just flat out doesn't miss. There's a lot of guys like on that Knicks team that get hot and cold. We know R.J. Barrett can get hot and cold. We know Julius Randle decides if he wants to get hot and cold in a lot of spots as well. But Jalen Brunson was missing a lot of bunnies, and they missed a lot of free throws. So 
I think both of these teams are going to play. Hopefully, I can get some shooting variance there, and and they can shoot it a lot better. I like over 229.5 in this spot. And if they let P.J. Washington score 25 in the paint, Julius Randle should be able to get whatever he wants. So I like this spot for the Knicks and the Hawks going over 229.5. Yeah, I, I, I do kind of return back to, like, it's got to just be, like, an outlier situation with that with the the Hawks backcourt. Like they just shouldn't play. Like they just shouldn't shoot that poorly. And that happens sometimes on opening nights, especially on the road. Like that can happen. Um, you know, Charlotte's defense I thought was was okay. I think that's maybe the most concerning thing is like I didn't think Charlotte's defense was great. Um and right. yet they kind of still those two kind of struggle. But look, like the Hawks still uh I thought played with a lot of offensive focus. And I think they'll do that in this game. Like it should be a really fun game to watch and fun games I think tend to go over and this number is still below two thirty, right? Like we've got a, yeah. a sub two thirty number for what should be a pretty like you mentioned, an offensively tilted game. And that to me is like I think uh a really good indicator for how this bet could wind up going. I mean look, Atlanta finished which is a one oh five point eight offensive rating. It's also like look, they they got to one oh six, which is not good in modern context. It's very poor. But they got that with DeJounte and Trebo shooting terrible. So both of those guys have any better, any better. It should be pretty good. And I will say, like, I wasn't impressed with their defense at all. Like, they let the the Charlotte Hornets rack up a 111, which is not, again, not elite. But that's a, that's a team that is offensively limited. And LaMelo didn't necessarily shoot well. And yet yeah. they still managed to get there uh, to a 112. So... Uh, I see it. I can I can kind of get with it. It'll be interesting to see how this one kind of plays out. Um, yeah, really quick too, Matt. On yeah. Trey Young, um, he plays and takes shots and offensively was down last year and then to open the season this year, like you mentioned. He just plays like there, there's no consequences coming if he runs the offense, if he takes whatever shot he wants because there technically isn't. He could go out there every night just like he did last year and essentially shoot 40%. 37% and nothing's going to happen. What's going right. to happen? Right. He, it, it's, it's so freeing, especially for a guy that plays his type of game. He, he's not focused on essentially getting people involved. He wants to get his and do his thing. And if he has a night where he doesn't really feel like working extra hard and things aren't coming easy, he's going to put up big duds and there's no consequences coming for him. So I don't think it really bothers him too, too much. It's like, Hey, I'm Trey young. I'm the man here. I'm getting coaches fired. I'll get anybody moved I want, and that's 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 it, and that's all. So go ahead and live with this five of 17 some days of the week. That's just what it's going to be. So that's a really interesting piece, uh, playing with Trey Young and being part of that organization. Yeah, the, the sense around the league has kind of been that no one really – like there's a kind of an internal conflict, I think, over Trey. Because like Quinn Snyder wasn't Trey's guy. And he had other guys that he wanted, one of whom coaches in, in Houston right now. And the fact that Trey didn't get what he wanted in with the new coach hire midseason, a lot of people raised their eyebrows at that. They were very interested to see how that would work out. Now, you know, there's been front office moves that I think were kind of correlated with more tension with Trey, and he won those. So he definitely still has pull. I think that there is an internal tug of war going on a little bit between sides that believe that, hey, we got to keep Trey happy. Trey's our guy. This is our dude. And guys that might be like, well, you know, I think we need to be a basketball organization first. And we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, Speaking of Houston, I've got Houston plus 100 versus the Spurs. So based off of, I, I 
didn't move Houston down after they got worked by Orlando. I thought Orlando just played really well. I thought Orlando was just awesome. I think Orlando might be really good. Um, Houston showed real signs of competency and structure. They still have a bunch of young guys, and they're still going to have nights when they're really bad. But to me, this is a great opportunity to sell, I think, relatively high on a San Antonio Spurs team that everybody's like, hey, like they led the the Mavericks and we're like in this game. Like I was on Spurs money line on a half unit and didn't feel bad about the outcome. Like they I, I wanted them to have a chance to win it late. And then we'll see if, if Kyrie and Luca could hit shots and Kyrie and Luca could hit shots because they're Kyrie and Luca. And I'm fine with that because the payout was great on it. Um I did not see like a, there were still stretches of that game when I was like, oh boy, the Spurs are still very bereft of talent. Like Houston to me is the more talented team here. I, I don't have like a huge edge on this, which is why it's only a half unit play for me. But like, look, I've, if we take it, if we do a normal home court evaluation, my power rating on this is that the Spurs should actually be dogs here. I've got the Rockets minus 2.75 on normal on normalized home court, which is like the average of what all teams are over the last three seasons. Based off of last year's figures, if we look at like how the Spurs specifically performed at home, I have the Spurs about a little less than minus one. So I got about a half point of value on this in terms of where that works out. Like on the uh, the money line in particular, I thought was interesting with where this market has kind of shaken out, given that um, you know I show a pretty big discrepancy on the Spurs with where I've got them. The hold on this game, I don't think, I don't love uh, in terms of where the, the market is at in general, but it's enough to get me there on Houston for a half unit. I think uh, I like Houston to kind of bounce back here and get a first win. Like Wemby will do things, but we saw Wemby pick up all those fouls. That's probably going to be a recurring theme for him early on as teams challenge him. I don't know that Shangun and company can do that, but I do know that the Rockets have a lot more firepower and a lot more NBA veterans than the Spurs do. So I'll take Houston plus 100 on the money line. Yeah, it's funny you could say that you can sell high on the Spurs already, but it does feel like that. I think overall Mm -hmm. it was a successful debut for Wemby and those guys down there. They, the fact that Dallas was able to cover that number was infuriating. If you printed uh, a a Spurs ticket, and you should feel very, very lucky if you had you you had a Mavericks ticket in your pocket. So yeah, I I I do agree with you. I think overall the the. it's tough to say how Wendy's going to deal with the 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 following piece because a few of those were really ticky tack. They were. That's true. And and they could have been a lot. They could have easily either not been called or he easily could have avoided those. It wasn't like he was getting backed down or getting put in the post and he just was getting overwhelmed and had no other option but to foul or was lost and was fouling. Uh, I think a couple of those could have went either way and he just ma- could make a. A little bit of a, I guess, a more passive move, let guys go by and they're not called. And then maybe he gets the the extra four or five minutes in the fourth, a couple more buckets, and they're able to hang on and actually have a chance to win that game. But the overall consensus from what I can tell is that I was I was listening to to a couple different people and I was reading a couple different things that people are already like throwing out. Well, if Wemby is going to be able to already at 19, close out the fourth with confidence even after coming off the bench cold after sitting because of fouls maybe this could be a play-in team it's like nah, like let's relax yeah. a little bit here <laughs> so yeah. i i do i do agree that if you're a casual guy too and you want to you want to get in the spot 
to to watch Wemby and enjoy it. All that money is going to go on the Spurs at home in this spot. So yeah, we could sell high on the Spurs even this early. And I trust Ime Udoka, regardless of of what has gone on and how they've started the season. And let's be clear here on the start of the NBA season. We have 82 of these, almost 1,300 games. Take it slow, relax, ease into it, because as many numbers as you want to break down from last year and the preseason, you just flat out don't know. So let's see how it shakes. I do think that the Spurs may be getting a little too much gas just purely off the fact that Wimbanyama is going to have positive talk around him. They did compete with the Dallas Mavericks team, in my opinion, as vastly overregarded. So even in that sense, I think they competed with a Mavericks team that's not that good. And they're getting a lot of smoke. So let's sell high. I agree with you here. And um, maybe Dylan Brooks can, can, can go back-to-back weeks or back-to-back games and knock it down four threes, and this, <laughs> this should be an easy catch. Yeah, if uh, Dylan Brooks has another good shooting night, I'm going to start just spamming Brandon Anderson in the text feed uh, <laughs> with good with good Dylan Brooks stats. Brooklyn Dallas over two twenty eight and a half. This open two twenty four and a half. I don't think you're chasing enough steam here. I don't think it's too much. Um, I understand if there's like a little bit of hesitation on that, but for me, uh, the look my projections on these numbers are always going to be a little bit flawed because they're going to be so heavily skewed to last year. Um, I wind up in this spot, though, being affected by one thing in particular, which is Cam Thomas, who was absolutely sensational in the uh, Nets' first game, which they almost stole one from the Cleveland Cavaliers. I was that was absolutely, I was incredibly close. It took Max Struess hitting a bunch of threes and a Donovan Mitchell game winner for them to be able to get into that spot. So uh, it was a really, I think, promising opener for the uh, um, for the Nets. To be quite honest, like I like that how they played in that game. I like that the way they competed with the Cavaliers, who I thought were I had them minus two and a half, so it was heartbreaker they didn't get a rebound and get fouled because they could have maybe snuck out one of the <laughs> a cover on that one. Um, but I will say, if we kind of look at the impact of Cam Thomas, he's just going to wind up, I think, having a guy that's just a pure scorer who's bad defensively. That shifts a little bit of the identity of the Nets and the Nets in general. They've got Cam, they've got Cam Johnson on a little bit of a minutes restriction. And to me, that factors in pretty significantly into kind of how to cap these games. And so when we look at the overall makeup of these games and kind of where they're at, uh, like I said, the movement on this has been pretty high. I'll also say that when we look at not just the Nets, but we look at Dallas, there's kind of this conversation of like, oh, but, you know, Dallas actually played some defense. No, no, no. Again, it's kind of correlated here, right, where it's like, I'm fading what we saw from San Antonio where it's like, Oh, you held the Spurs down. Congratulations on holding the San Antonio Spurs. One of the truly worst offenses that we've had in the league last year <laughs> and haven't significantly improved. Congrats on holding them to only a one eleven point two offensive rating. Right. And on the other side, I do think Dallas is going to score their offense is elite. Like they'll probably be better than they were in game one where they had one seventeen. So with Brooklyn and Dallas, I think that this is a good spot to kind of play the offense. I think this is mostly a play on the Nets offense with Cam Thomas will score more than expected. I think this is a a better than um, what people realize spot to get in on them. Uh, I do have this projected over. I've got it in the 230, so I think it's fine to any number above there. But this is kind of correlated between the San Antonio Spurs and Maverick spot here, right? I'm basically taking that late game and I'm playing against what perceptions have been on them. So I'll take the over 228 and a half. Yeah. 
Cam Thomas was absolutely sensational, and they needed every single bucket from him in that spot. Like you said, there's going to be nights where there's so many guys. They had 10 guys play 12-plus minutes, which is up there with a squad that I really enjoyed watching. Uh, this week was the Thunder, another team that played 10 guys, 10-plus minutes. But there's going to be a lot of guys, or a lot of nights, too, especially with how many wings they continue to have in, in Brooklyn, that they're going to need a guy to just flat out go out and score, and that's exactly what Cam Thomas wants to do. Um, I would love to see that from Cam Johnson, for him to get there and just absolutely be more about scoring because they, I yeah. think, could use that from him. But – yeah, it's uh, it's they they still are are rotating a ton of guys, and and we'll see where it shakes. But I do like the spot. This numbers moved against me, but I do like the Magic minus two and a half. This opened three and a half, and it bounced down to minus two and a half by the time that we're recording this. I am going to take the Orlando Magic versus the Blazers. It's not really a play against Portland. Like Portland was on the road in LA for the Clippers. Uh, I thought that like. Scoot Henderson was real shaky. DeAndre Ayton got in foul trouble. Like a lot of things went wrong for Portland. It's honestly not that. To me, it's that I don't think I think Houston Orlando is a game where not a lot of people probably paid attention to it. I loved every single thing I saw of Orlando. It's one game, they're at home. But I did upgrade them a half a point in power rating just based off of what I saw because it wasn't just that Cole Anthony hit shots. It wasn't just that Franz Wagner is just a baller and is such a, he, he is playing more point forward and really playing well in terms of directing traffic and doing all the things that I really want to see him doing and, and playing a bigger role in the offense because he's so polished and so good. And if you've been watching him in FIBA, that's very evident. It's also, here's a one for you. It's more Cal Fultz, man. So Cal in that game goes, it's 10 points, right? He's, he's got 10 points, four rebounds, two assists, shoots five of nine. I am telling you that Markel Fultz looked fantastic in that game. Like, he looked so sharp. Cole Anthony had 20 off the bench off of his new extension, uh, which I did not think they should have made. 20 and eight for Cole Anthony, eight to 12 from the field, and they obliterated him. But, like, Fultz was really, really good. Bancaro only shot six times in this game. It didn't really need to. That's honestly promising for me because he didn't have to do, try and do too much. You know, Wagner only shot five of 12, but he was able to get to the line. They generated a lot of free throws. They're physical. They're tough. I think that goes against what Portland's able to do. I like their defense. It swarms. I think this is like they've got Wendell Carr Jr. to battle DeAndre Ayton. I like the bench matchup versus a team that's obviously playing a bunch of young guys to try and like rebuild a little bit. The wings, like they have the wings to match up with Portland. I just think the Orlando is genuinely a much better team, more so than a two and a half gap here, even with home court, home opener, et cetera. So I'll lay the two and a half of the magic and ride this train for a little bit. Yeah. I think the theme too here is if you look at Orlando's roster, they have tons of guys that have been there for three plus years. Now we're talking two and a half plus full seasons of these guys playing together and having an opportunity to mesh and do all those things. Fultz, Suggs, Anthony, Wendell Carter Jr. now. Franz has now been there for a while. Bancaro's on uh, his, 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 this is what, year three for Bancaro, yeah? Or yeah. is this year two? This is year uh, three, year right? Two. So it's year, year two for Bancaro, year three for Yeah, Bancaro. year two for Bancaro. Yeah, so, but that's what I mean. Like, this is still a, a second full year for a guy with that talent, and mm-hmm. they're deep. They play a lot of guys. So if you look across the league on opening night, the teams that relatively are bringing the same guys on the roster hung in there, played tough, and performed really well. The Nets, who we just talked about, is another example of that. 
Orlando is a perfect example of that. So that's a theme across the board. This might be one of those teams in the East that surprises a lot of people as we start to to get rolling here because they they're young. They've played together for a while and um, they looked good to start the year so far. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes. I'm shocked you didn't like that Cole Anthony deal. I feel like that's a pretty cheap, fair deal for I feel like that's good business for the Magic. I have a hard time with these because I hear and look, I hear a lot of noise that's not necessarily true. It's just like they talked and there wasn't anything there. But like I heard pretty consistently they were looking to move Cole and that they wanted to add a point guard. And one of the things I really struggle with is guys when they're up for extension, they try and see if they can move them because that's like a high point, right? Where the new team wants to extend them and lock them up. And so you've got this opportunity to trade them at, at a very high peak value. But I just have a hard time reconciling like, well, you didn't want him. Like you were willing to, you were trying to move him. I heard all this, yeah. this talk from these other teams about, about you making him available. And then you turn around and you give him a multi-year big money deal. You know, and, and I was talking <laughs> yeah. about this, well, I was, I was talking about this with a personnel guy that does, that does cap stuff. And he's like, yeah. He's like, Matt, you, he's like, you try and explore the value to see if you can get better. If you can't, what you can't do is you can't get worse. So you retain them on contract so that you have the asset long-term and even if it doesn't make your team better, it makes your asset package better. And that's just entirely like, that's good. He's like, it's not that Cole Anthony is not a player that they like, like they drafted him. They developed him. They've played him. They haven't moved off of him. They like him. They saw an opportunity to see if they could get better. They, those opportunities did not come through. And when you're faced with that choice of a binary, most teams will opt for retaining a guy. And I was like, okay, all right, fair enough. Very movable deal. So I I wasn't mad at, at that. For for that situation for Orlando, they didn't they didn't bury a bunch of money, so I'm not mad at that. And I, I I'm also I'm partial to Cole. I think he could play. I think he's a good overall competitor in the NBA. So I, I think it was good business. And if it's not for for Cole's side or the Magic side, that's a movable piece. Uh, let's talk about a couple of these other games as a means to talk about the league. I, I'm very close to firing on Denver minus four and a half versus Memphis. Memphis's injury report. John Morant's obviously out with suspension. Brandon Clark's obviously out with an Achilles injury. Steven Adams is out for the season with a knee injury. Um, Luke Kennard is out with a concussion protocol. And Santi Aldama is going to miss another game because of his ankle. So Morant, Kennard, Aldama, Clark, Adams. That's a good starting five in the NBA that they just don't have. <laughs> yeah. and I, was, I was so mad. As somebody, and like you can rest assured, if you're one, if you're listening, to this, if you listen to all our future stuff, and you heard how high Brandon and I are in the Grizzlies, and you're wondering our reaction to all this news, like it's disaster. Like Stephen Adams going down was basically just like it was an absolute. It was a bad day in the texts um, yeah. when that when that went down. It's a big and, blow, you know, and it sucks for everybody. Like Stephen Adams, is one of the most enjoyable guys just to have around the league, and it really sucks that we're going to be without him for another year. Uh, so they're hurt. Their bench looked awful yesterday, and that's why they lost. If you go back and you look, the Grizzlies starters won their minutes versus the Pels, and they got blown out because their bench is so horrific because the front office is just like, well, I guess we just won't have a backup power forward. Get in there, Jake LaRavia at fucking 6'4". Are you kidding me? Like, David Roddy? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, so that takes away one of the, the big edges teams have versus Denver, which is the bench for Denver is going to be bad. And Denver obviously looks really sharp. I'm staying away from it just because I'm like, look, Denver could not be more juiced right now coming off of beating the Lakers and leading the entire game and looking like the best team in basketball. The Grizzlies just lost their home opener to the Pels by double digits. 
did not play well. This does not like it's enough for me to be like, I don't need a bet on this game. It's the Nuggets who were terrible last year on the road will probably not be great on the road this year. Their defense, Aaron Gordon told the other other night, he described it as lacking and that uh, the scoreboard doesn't reflect the stuff, the work that they need to do on the defensive end. So there's a lot of warning signs for me here, but boy, uh, it's tempting just with the fact of sometimes you can get too hot. You can, you can talk yourself into, well, I don't want to bet on this team or I want to bet against this team because I'm buying or selling high on them, right? It's just that like, I don't... Denver might just be adequately priced. Like they might just be the best team in basketball. And this might need to be a higher margin considering the Grizzlies injury situation. Yeah. David Roddy played 28 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a ton of minutes for him and in, in a team that we expect to be towards the top of the Western conference. Listen, I watched the Lakers and nuggets for five fucking minutes. And I knew my money in the first half was torched. And I immediately thought that the Lakers never, ever want to see these dudes. Period. No. Point blank. Like, the, the, they need to hope someone else knocks them out of the playoffs or some other way, shape, or form. They don't have to see those guys. So, call it a bad matchup. Call it what you want. But it's one of those spots for me. This injury report is nasty stuff. But it, 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 it was, it was going to be the nuggets or nothing for me. Even if that everybody on the injury report was ready to go, obviously we knew Morant and uh, Adams weren't going to play. But I'm I'm right now in a spot where I'm not looking to play or play any tickets, print them out, write them down, call the buddy, anything against the Denver Nuggets at the moment, just because how casually it looked and how it all came together, the, yeah. there was no type of rust. I made a joke about Michael Porter Jr. What a life this guy lives. He just yeah. grabs uncontested rebounds. He makes 30-plus million, and he gets relatively open jump shot looks. And he's a big piece of the team. I'm, don't discount it. But the, the way that roster is constructed and how it, it fits so perfectly, he is in a great spot. They looked really good. I loved how aggressive uh, Gordon was going to the, going to the basket. They looked like it was midseason form already. Was that personal? Maybe I got it wrong, Matt. Maybe that Denver really does kind of just hate those guys, and they want to bury him every time they see him. So that's what they did. I'll tell you this, man. I'll tell you this. You you mentioned that that I talked about the environment. Um, Here's what happened, okay? So they have the ring night. They get the rings. It's very emotional, et cetera. Game tips off. And, like, I thought that the Grizzlies, or the Nuggets, rather, like, really kind of thought, like, kind of seemed like, okay, yeah, we'll just kind of settle in. And LeBron, like, takes one of the early ones, goes down and dunks it, and, like, plays with, like, a real intensity. And Joker, if you watch Joker's reaction, like, he kind of ducks his head a little bit, and it was, oh, okay, all right, we're going to do We're doing this. We're doing this. Okay, all right, fine, let's go. And I asked AG after the game, I, I was like, you know, you guys played a pretty clean game. You only had 11 turnovers. You guys look like you just picked it back up. Like you shot well. Yeah. Usually guys are rusty, especially. That's exactly you know, you what it looked like. Summer off. And AG was like, honestly, I felt like we just stopped playing yesterday. We just picked it right back up, man. It's so easy with these dudes. And MPJ said the same thing. KCP said the same thing. That, that starting five, I read about this on Action Network. You can find it in the app. Like that starting five 
it they have they are that's the you you can have Damon Giannis and you can have Booker and Beal and KD and you can have Drew and Tatum and the Brown and Porzingis the starting five for the Nuggets that combo of those five is the best in basketball and um yeah yeah it's uh the it's it's good looking for Denver right now we'll see how they do in this and game. Matt to um, see Jamal to to see Jamal Murray talking shit in like the first quarter I'm like wait yeah. <laughs> wait a minute like this is that's not Jamal Murray. Like he waits till the fourth quarter. This again, this is the first game of the regular season, and Jamal Murray is chirping. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. This this is uh they just picked it right back up. That's the that's the perfect way to say it. So if you're looking to fade Denver early, I think that game is gonna be a grind. That's something I would I would stay away from because it's hard to guess when guys are gonna want to show up and if those guys feel like continuing to bash people in game two, you're going to be in for a, for a grind and try to cash that ticket against the Nuggets. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Cavs open minus five versus OKC, and I didn't bet it because I wanted to think about it. And it already moved to three and a half as we're recording this on Thursday night. And now it's kind of in a dead spot for me. I liked it at five. Uh, I was leaning towards OKC at five. At three and a half, it's a pass for me. It, this is tough because it's a game I really kind of want to bet where OKC was, was one of the hits for me on um, on Wednesday playing the Bulls. I think it's probably easy to kind of do the same thing that we did with uh, the Mavericks with beating Wemby where it's like, yeah, but you beat this team. You know, the Bulls have, and and you know this with Rock and the Bulls had and, 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 and the background, like, they they had that players only meeting after the game, game one. I said this on Twitter. For me, it's like, look, I, I I think this team is genuinely well coached. I think this team genuinely has a lot of talent. I think this team hates playing together. Like I just I never see these guys being what like excited to play together. Like never once do they seem like they've got pop, like they've got like and honestly a lot of this, you know, people I, I understand that Zach Levine's going to be the bad guy in all this, but I feel like it was, it, it sucks that basically DeMar, he was ascending to like looking like a real high level performer. DeMar DeRozan shows up and Zach Levine kind of turns back into like hit or miss. And that's just my, that's just my view on things. But as far as OKC Cleveland goes, do I think OKC might be getting too much credit for beating the Bulls? Maybe. I also think this team's really good. I think this team's really good on both ends of the floor. We hyped him up. Like, I took the over. But I also like the Cavs a lot. And I think the Cavs are probably a little down after losing, um, you know, not losing, but barely beating the Nets. Almost, like, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they got a lot they can improve on. Still without Jared Allen, though, so that kind of changes this a little bit. I should probably bet OKC. I'm going to go ahead and hold off, given that it's a home opener spot for Cleveland. I want to wait. But I'm really excited for this game. I almost had to play play on OKC, but I'm going to go ahead and stay away from it after the line movement to three and a half. Yeah, I would be interested to see what historically what the cover rate is for teams that start the season with two straight road games. 
Yeah. And then the second game is a home opener for the other person. I know it, that's a bit granular, but I'd be interested to see that. Overall, we're on the same page with Oklahoma City. I, I watched the Bulls game in its entirety. I went back and watched it this morning. They played within themselves the entire time. That Bulls team, I think that's a good way to put it, that they just don't enjoy playing together. And every time I see DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine on the floor together, it's 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 not the best. It's the sad. starting five for the Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. The starting five for the Bulls, so DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, who I can do a whole if you ever want to do a two hour podcast on a player and you call it a, a buckets exclusive, Matt, you let me know. We could do Pat Williams, the the two hundred million dollar man, according to himself. But I digress. DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Pat Williams. Cody White and Vucevic, they played 15 minutes together. The defensive rating was 138.7. <laughs> so those guys are getting absolutely torched on defense by the young upstart in the Thunder. Shea is doing whatever he wants across the board. So, yeah, they're awesome. I loved everything that they were doing. And then when you look at the Bulls and you go off of – it is hard to tell how good Oklahoma City is, but I had them rated high coming in. They go in on the road, and overall, over the years, like the Bulls roster construction, like Billy Donovan or not, they have played pretty well in the United Center. That's not yeah. the easiest place to play. Yeah. I know that from from just personally speaking. So mm-hmm. for those guys to go in there and, and take care of business the way they did, it was impressive. Now, even when the Bulls focused on the D, so they brought in Carter, Javon Carter, Torrey Craig, Caruso, and Drummond, they played some minutes together, which is not a lot of offense. Oklahoma City still were able to put together quite a bit of possessions that were fluid offensive basketball. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm high on the Thunder. I'm also high on the Cavs. I think they have a lot of motivation. I think Donovan Mitchell, you know the rumblings about him not necessarily wanting to be there, et cetera, et cetera. But he's a pro's pro. He showed up, did his thing. Um, I expect him to show up on a nightly basis. We talked about the the uh, the season total benchmark of 50. They ended up closing at 50 and a half. So a lot of expectations coming out of Cleveland. This is definitely one of the best games on the slate. Jared Allen is out for this game. Darius Garland's questionable again. Um, I will say that even though kind of, I, I think with the injuries, I probably lean pretty heavy to OKC here. We'll see what the, what this number is. I'm going to give it till, we're recording this Thursday night, but don't be surprised if I put in a play on OKC Moneyline. Uh, on Friday. Finally, in a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals, how about Boston taking on the Miami Heat? Uh, not not <laughs> as big a game as it could have been if they got We're dinged. back, man. Um, We're back. We're still, back with the matchup. We're back. Who, who doesn't want to watch it? Who doesn't want to watch and bet on <laughs> Heat Celtics again? Um, you know, the look ahead line on this was four and a half, and it's gone to eight based off of, I think, how good Boston is or Boston looked in that opener. Like, KP looked amazing. Uh, you know, Tatum dropped thirty-five. Like it. I mean, it was a it was a good first performance for a Celtics team that's still kind of learning to play together. You know, they haven't played with Drew much, so they're still kind of figuring that out. Derek White had some absolutely incredible defense in that game. Like it, it's underrated because everyone's going to talk about Drew, and and there's all these like stats about Drew. Derek White's a motherfucker too. <laughs> like it's that that backcourt is tough. Um, based off of last year's power rating for uh, home court. I've got this Celtics based off of normalized. So if we just take like the average, I've got this heat. I'm going to stay away 
but I want to kind of get your thoughts on Heat Celtics. I will also kind of say, I think I want to play an under. Like I, I the under in this game is two seventeen and a half, so it's low. But I think it's I think it's right that it's low. I think that's where it should be, and I kind of am leaning towards playing an under here in Celtics Heat. Your thoughts? Get used to seeing these type of numbers if you want to back the Boston Celtics in Boston. Mm. You're going to be looking at eights, nine and a halfs, elevens. This is what you're going to see every single time they're at home just because we know how on the offensive side of the ball, how explosive they can be. Um, We know how we, along with everybody else, knows just how good they can be if they put it together for stretches. And they did that in the preseason. There was a couple stretches against the Knicks in the preseason, actually. They had all five on the floor, and they looked sensational on offense. They just haven't, under Missoula, there's been just stretches where they're extremely focused, locked in, look phenomenal, and then snap your fingers, and Jalen Brown doesn't know what to do. Everybody looks confused. The effort's not there. So it's a tough team to cap. If you go back and remember the numbers that we would see for the Miami Heat, every single night, the number's nine in the conference finals. It's like nobody knows what to do with this team. And there was nights where I'm printing a ticket on the Celtics minus eight. It's like, how am I doing this? And it's like... (laughs) It's a good spot. And it's some cash, some wouldn't, right? But right. if you want to back the Boston Celtics in Boston, get used to laying these big numbers against really good teams because they're an impossible team to figure out because when they're playing really well, they're clearly the best team in the East. But we don't know when that's going to show up. And it's it, it could start as soon as game two in the home opener in Missoula's second year. All right, that's going to do it for Buckets for a Friday. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with Sean. Uh, we've got shows, obviously, five days a week. Uh, Sunday night, I'll be recording with Joe Delera and Jim Turvey. We'll be doing a weekend recap as well as Best Bets for Monday. So make sure to tune in Monday morning for that show. Uh, and then Best Bets all throughout the week. And then we'll hit Sean again on Friday. And I will promise you... I will definitely already be firing on award props by next Friday. So make sure to tune in for that. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, as well as Hutton Jackson. Make sure to download the Action Network app and check out youtube.com slash the Action Network. See you guys again next time. Until then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.